Welcome to episode 26 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We are discussing the 2018 Players' Championship and the Rocco 40 Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Pam- uh, Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Greetings, Paul. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Very good, man. Very good indeed. Nice and, nice and sunny where you are. Lovely and sunny. Um, had a good weekend. Uh, enjoyed the boxing on Saturday. Oh, yeah, missed it, unfortunately. Stuck on a train. Stuck on a train? Home. Do you want to tell, quickly tell listeners what happened? Because it's quite interesting. <laughs> Go on, quick. <laughs> well, yeah, I can do. Um, well, some of you guys who know Steve and myself know that we uh, have been battling it out, uh, supporting our respective League Two clubs uh, this season. So uh, I was up at uh, Nottingham, Notts County, for the final Luton game of the season this uh, this weekend, and unfortunately, there was a little bit of aggro on the train coming home on Saturday. So, uh, so what should have, what should have been a uh, eight thirty return was uh, well, it was past the uh, Bay Hay Bellew final really? finish time. That's time I got back. Yeah, so unfortunately, I missed that. Which uh, thankfully, I hadn't actually paid for the pay per view by that point. It was going to be uh, purchased when I got home. So, Luton fans fight West Ham fan <laughs> shock on train in the East Midlands. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, unfortunately, these things happen, don't they? They do. They do with football. Yeah. yeah. Um, Podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan from a Good Talk Sport podcast. He isn't with us this week. Uh, The last time we heard from him, he's hung over in the back of a car, travelling somewhere between Kerry and Dublin. So we wish him all the best. Um, I'm sure he'll be fine. He's he's been to a wedding over the weekend, so I think he's had a, a, a good time. Uh, as ever, some housekeeping before we move ahead. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. You can search golf betting or golf betting tips. Something of that volition, you will find us. Twitter handle Steve Bamford. That's me. I'm at Bamford Golf, and Paul is at Golf Betting. We're available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Player FM, and Podtail. And uh, clearly, each and every week, it's great that you listen to the podcast. All that we ask is that you like and follow us on Podbean and leave us some positive customer reviews and ratings, especially on iTunes. A few seconds effort would make the three of us, that includes Barry Hughes in here, very happy and help to spread the word about the podcast, which continues to grow from strength to strength, and it's great to see subscribers and regular listeners. So uh, thanks for listening. Right, with all due respect, Paul, I think we'll talk about the Rocco Forte Open a little bit later in the show. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. I know that details are particularly sketchy at this point. Yeah, there's not. And to be fair, being bank holiday Monday here, there's only a couple of the bookies who've uh, so far priced it up as well. So it's all a bit sparse at the moment. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I can give us an idea at the end where I'm kind of heading with my thoughts on it, and uh, they'll all get firmed up tomorrow overnight or tonight overnight, and uh, I'll be publishing tomorrow lunchtime. Clearly, we'll, we will paste all the relevant or place all the relevant uh, links to your. Uh, preview once it comes out Tuesday morning UK time we'll place that within the description box on Podbean for listeners. Right, the Players Championship, the fifth major as they call it it's the most stacked field of the year and this year is absolutely that case all 50 of the world's uh, coveted top 50 play this week which is uh, something is quite rare, has to be yep. said um, we know it's played, of course, at the stadium course, TPC Sawgrass, in Pontevedra Beach 
Florida. Um, just a couple of things before we crack on, I think, Paul. Should we mention the TPC Sawgrass competition that we're running? Yeah, yeah, we've been doing it for, I think, this. Did you, I'm sure you put it on the The sixth consecutive year. Sixth year that uh, Betfred have sponsored our um, 17th whole competition for the Players' Championship. So thanks again to Betfred for sponsoring again this year. And essentially what we want you to do um, is to tell us how many balls you think will find the water hazard at the 17th hole over the course of the four days cumulative. Now, it does vary massively from year to year. So we've had some years when it's been kind of 20s, low 20s for the for the four days four days combined. Um, some years it's getting close to 100. <laughs> uh, last year was 69 balls in the water over the course of the four days. So um, it's, trying, to, trying to get the right number is, uh, is quite a challenge. Now, we do take, tend to get a few hundred entries for this. So we also ask for a tie break. Uh, and the tiebreak is to also predict what the cumulative score to par will be from the 17th hole. So, of course, if it's going to play relatively straightforward and not many balls in the water, you might find it's close to or maybe even un- under par for the course of the four days. If it plays tough, um, then it can be significantly over par. And again, last year, with 69 balls in the water, the over par um, cumulative score was plus 100. Really? For, wow. for the four days, yeah. So, um, and the last year was a particularly tricky year for the 17th hole. So, um, it's a fascinating competition. It's one of the, you know, we, we love to run it each year, and uh, and the guys who enter each and every year um, really enjoy it as well. Um, so, you can do that via our Facebook group, um, via Twitter or via um, email. So there's three different ways you can get your application or your, your entry in. And again, we'll put, we'll post the uh, link to the rules on the uh, Podbean description. So um, you can see exactly how it all works. We'll pop along to Steve's preview that he's just published a few minutes ago because again, there's all the detail on there and a link to the rules. Um, so you can get your entry in before the first tea time at Sawgrass this week. Um, you mentioned a couple of really key things there because what you tend to get at this tournament is it's right by the um, eastern seaboard, so it's quite windy. I yep. think it's like within a mile of the coast. Um, so you, I mean, even last year, which was pretty tranquil for the players, it was twenty-two yep. gusting twenty-two on the Sunday and gusting twenty-five on the Saturday. Yeah, and that ties in with what you were just saying there about those cumulative scores at the uh, scores at the seventeenth. Yeah. The other thing about last year was it was the first year that they featured this new renovated golf course, which basically meant eighteen new green surfaces, and we're now seeing Tiff Eagle green, uh, Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass, and like a lot of these golf courses, and we see this a lot, don't we, Paul? That, those first couple of years before they really bed in, they can be very, very gnarly. These uh, these greens and very non yeah. non responsive. They can, but they can be particularly firm. And if the conditions are kind of um, towards firm and fast anyway, then um, yeah. then it can be tricky. Certainly, as you say, it takes it takes a good year, a couple of years with some of these uh, some of these tracks for the uh, for the for the new greens to bed in fully and we certainly saw that last year over the first two rounds there were 19 in the first round and 29 in the second round so 48 balls in the water from the first two rounds wow. so without any particular wind um there you go, that was a pretty high number compared to six and nine for the the first two rounds of the year before um but going back to your point on the wind now um if you look back to 2007 
that uh, the Thursday, the first round of the 2007 edition, 50 balls in the water. Really? On the Thursday, 50. That's a mad number. So, um, yeah, you know, in terms of trying to predict where you've got to go with this competition entry, certainly you're going to need to factor in any conditions, the windy, condi- you know, wind conditions or lack of wind mm. conditions potentially. But also, as you were just saying, um, the fact that the greens are firm and fast, they're bedding in, they're only a year or so old. Um, and I think conditions, I'm sure you'll get to it further down the uh, down the line, but conditions this year are going to be um, looking towards more firm and fast conditions. For, yeah, it's going to be fiery, Paul. They haven't had rain here for about two and a half weeks. And of course, yes, they can water the course. But, you know, the organisers of this, want to, they want a stern test. They don't want to do that. No. And no, no. as we've seen, you know, the, the, scores, the scores here are pretty metronomic, aren't they, if you look at the, at the winning score going back, because this, this golf course is so controllable. So forget about last year. We'll, we'll tackle that in a second. Jason Day, 15 under in 2016. Ricky Fowler, 12 under. Keimer, 15 under. Woods, 13 under. Kuchar, 13 under. Choi, 13 under. You know, it's just incredible how they can get that level of... Um, score consistency across a number of years where there were you know various different scoring conditions wind soft course hard you know fast course last year with the new greens and they were gnarly they were very very um, yeah I remember yeah yeah, they were very unresponsive and that made scrambling absolutely critical which I think will be again this year Siwoo won at 10 under par yep yeah, it's getting towards the kind of technical status in terms of its difficulty, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, so we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. Let's talk bookmakers. Let's talk bookmaker um, promotions. And let's talk each way places, which, of course, is something that we really do focus on at Golf Betting System, quite rightly. Interesting this week that Paddy Power have gone a genuine 10 places each way uh, at a 50 odds at this yep. year's 2018 players. They're the only bookmaker to go 10 places each way this week. And their prices, you know, you could you could say, of course, oh, well, you know, just... But their prices, especially when they came out, you know, they came out just after lunch today on Monday, they were very competitive to a lot of bookmakers who already put their markets up, paying five and six places. Yeah, they're not, they're not a million miles off. They're... they're Naturally, they're being um, attacked now on a number of the players because uh, if you've got a player who's the same price, um, you're going to take the 10 places, aren't you? It's mm. as simple as that. So uh, there's a few few that are starting to uh, to shorten now. But yeah, generally, the uh, the pricing isn't bad at all given the uh, the relative uh, positions that you're getting. I mean, some of, the, some of the bookies are going six places and a fifth of the odds. So you're genuinely getting four extra places at the same terms some are going six and a quarter um some are going seven and a fifth eight and a fifth so there's a huge array of different options again this week which we're starting to see more and more from week to week where you've got a real choice between do i take a longer price um with fewer each way places um or do i take a slightly shorter price with uh, with a lot of places it's uh, it, it does give you the option at least, which is good. Yeah, Unibet eight 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 Sport and Bet three six five have gone six places each way, but the full traditional quarter odds. Mm. So there's a, there's an option for you. Ladbrokes, even though we're recording this at tea time on Monday, still haven't come up with a market, and I expect, or you know, they tend to just stick to the five, don't they? Five and a quarter. You they have been, and that'd be a bit of an outlier if they do, yeah. because no one else is there at the moment. Maybe they go six and a quarter. 
yeah, we shall see. We shall see. But this is it, yeah. isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, it's such a huge tournament, so very, very popular. So it's great to see Paddy Power really going back to their roots and really pushing the boundaries when it comes to the uh, the ten places on offer, a genuine ten places. So yeah, it does beg the question: what they're all going to do at the U.S. Open in a month yeah. or so's time? Which um, tradition? It's traditionally the tightest of the four majors, isn't it, for each way places? Well, it is. But if we're seeing ten places at the players, then um, yeah, you'd hope to see. Um, well. I'm sure we will see eight at very least, but um, yeah, you'd, you'd kind of expect to see ten places now from um, a handful of bookies, wouldn't you? Yeah, that kind of seem, seems to be where the, uh, the battleground is right now. So uh, it's great. Fact, it's no, good value. It just can't be bad, can it? Can't be yeah. bad. No, no, no. And the, and the more bookies that do offer that, the the more chance you're going to get to get the uh, the best price out there combined with your extra places. So uh, yeah, come on, bookies. More and more of you doing the same thing, please. Stadium course, TPC Sawgrass, Pontevedra Beach, and um, it's a par 72. It's a peat dye design, probably his most famous design, and we know that dye has clearly um, designed a lot of golf courses that he used on the PGA Tour. The length is very short. It's a 7,189-yard golf course. It's a par 72 into the bargain. I mean, we see a lot longer par 70s. Um, yep. There is water everywhere. And it's one of those golf courses that's, I don't know, what's the best way to describe it? It can be a bit metronomic, can't it? Because it effectively forces pretty much all of the field to play the course in a very similar manner. Yep. So you've got quite wide fairways, up anything up to around about 300 yards, and then you know they really do tighten up considerably. So take, uh, I don't know, I'm just going 300 yards, 32 yards wide at TPC Sawgrass. At Quail last week, they were 30. Yeah. But if you can really boom it out there like a lot of the field can these days, at 350 yards, where Quail was at 28 yards width last week, you get at Sawgrass 20. So a lot, you know, it's risk and reward, and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the big hitters take a lot of three woods, a lot of two irons, just to keep the ball in play, rough around here tends to be quite tough. Um, last year, the rank in terms of difficulty, the course played at an average of 73.29, which was 1.29 over par, which was ranked as the fifth most difficult of 50 courses on the PGA Tour. And for listeners that want PDI designs, just go to uh, leaderboards like the 2010-2015 PGA Championship, uh, we've also got uh, TPC River Highlands, which hosts the Travellers each and every year. Uh, TPC Louisiana, the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Of course, Harbortown Golf Links, the RBC Heritage. And also the TPC Stadium course at PGA West. That's the Career Builder Challenge. That TPC Stadium course is the 36-hole host course on that particular tournament where they use a three-course rotor. You can also look at Crooked Stick, which they played the 2012 and the 2016 BMW Championship at as part of the FedEx Cup playoffs that particular year. So there's plenty of course form. You can also look at uh, the web.com tour results at the next door Dyes Valley Golf Course, which again is part of the TPC Sawgrass um, pl um, plot, if you like, or site. But there's various golf courses within it, and there's that's an interesting link that is because you have the likes of a Chess and Hadley, 
uh, Emiliano Grios won that golf tournament. Russell Knox has done well there. David Lingmuth, who we knew a few years ago, finished second here. So there's a link between players that have played well. Kyle Stanley's had a top five in that tournament and was, I think he was second or third last year. Went out joint leader at 54 holes. So there's something in that link as well. Yep. So there's yep. lots to yep. go on. Lots and lots and lots to go on. Well, it's interesting with Dye because we often see the same players playing well on Pete Dye tracks um, year in, year out. No matter what the course is, there's, you know, as you said, there's different courses dotted around the... Uh, Dotted around the the, the country and uh, on on the uh, schedule that you can refer back to, and I know you've built in a um, a special variable for our predictor this yeah, week. Yeah, we're always trying to improve things, aren't we? And you know, yeah. it's a moving feast. We've actually added a Pete Dye variable to um, the predictor model this week for the Players Championship. That's the first time we've ever ever added a course designer variable, and it's something that we will look at for the bigger tournaments, undoubtedly. Um, and that you know, so. As most listeners will know, a predictor model that we, we place out there each and every week across PGA Tour and European Tour, it's free to use. Lots of throttles on there, lots of different um, ways of effectively building your own tailor-made model. So uh, I publish one and Paul publishes one as part of our research for each and every tournament. I'll quickly take you through this week's top 10. Uh, Mickelson's at 10, Kuchar at 9, Webb Simpson at 8, Zach Johnson at seven, Henrik Stenson at six, and then we've got some really big names at the top, as you would expect. Thomas at five, Fowler at four, McElroy at three, Spieth at two, and Jason Day, last week's winner, at one, and of course he won this two years ago. He is a particularly good Pete Dye golf course Mm. player, which kind of took me by surprise when I was pulling the data together. But yeah, Yeah. PGA Championship victory at um, Whistling Straits, of course, yeah, he won right. this as well. Do you see Day going back to back? Because he's he got that in him, hasn't he? He really has. He's done it before, hasn't he? He has done it yeah. before. Um, yeah, whether he can scramble and putt as well as he did um, last weekend um, again for another week um, remains to be seen. But yeah, we've seen it before with uh, with Jason. So um, if you take the full field from last week, all 144 players, he was a hundred and fourth. The greens in regulation last week. Oh yeah, he played like Harry Houdini around the greens, didn't he? Yeah, and there's yeah, coming into Sunday, there was a stat that um, about his sand saves where he was sitting on a hundred percent for the week. And uh, I was saying to you earlier, you know that that's catapulted him up to uh, first place for sand saves for the season to date on the PGA Tour. So it was clearly a um, an incredible performance um, statistically around the, uh, the, the the greens for the course of the week. And you know we could see it watching it firsthand. It was. Uh, as you say, it was uh, it was an outstanding performance. So we've got a loaded field, um, and I've never I, I've never known this in the ten years that we've been covering professional golf, Paul. Where at this golf tournament, if I'm reading this right, there are five players who could leave Florida on Sunday night, being the world number one. <laughs> yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Have you? I've, I don't I don't recall this ever. No, it's seriously tight, isn't it? You know, we've gone through a period of time where you know the likes of Tiger Woods were, you know, it was so far out ahead, wasn't he? That mm. uh, it was it was never likely to happen. But uh, over the course of the last uh, last few months or so, Dustin Johnson's been gradually coming back to the field. Um, he's losing a lot of uh, OWGR points that were accrued at the back end of the uh, of the mathematics that keeps it all to ties it all together. Um, 
and he's drifting down, some of the other guys are coming through and it's all kind of converging on this tournament. And as you say, the top five, each and every one of them has a mathematical chance of walking out on Sunday night as world number one. And how that affects some of these guys, well, we shall see. You know, we've talked before about how um, it seemingly affected John Rahm. Um, mm. ju- uh, d- uh, Justin Thomas has uh, talked about how um, his game, you know, some of the events that he could potentially have won, it's just starting to play on his mind. Well, I think he could have become world number one across his last three or four appearances. But, yeah, exactly. No, and slowly but surely, all of a sudden, his performances have started to tail off. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a big thing for these guys. And you've got to remember, these are, are young lads in, in a lot of the cases, and it's a huge thing. Now... We know that there's clearly one guy that looks after this uh, on Twitter, Nos Ferratu. His uh, handle is at VC606. He's the uh, he's the official world golf ranking expert on Twitter, which mm. you know pretty much all the players and all of their uh, agents and teams go to for most of this information. Yeah. But well worth a follow. But effective, well a follow. unless you're in Pulse and, you, and, and, um, and we won't go down that route. What <laughs> happened to Pulse early in the year. But if I'm reading this correctly, I think Dustin Johnson needs to finish 11th or 12th or something like that. He's got to finish in the top 12 to remain the world number one. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do that, Justin Thomas, I think, has pretty much only got to make the cut. He becomes the new world number one. And then you've got Ram, Spieth and Rose. Could you imagine Justin Rose as world number one? Well, He has to win the tournament. That's his aim. If he wins the tournament and Dustin Johnson's outside the top 11 or 12, he becomes world number one. Yeah. John Rahm and Jordan Spieth can either win the tournament or finish solo second. And if Dustin Johnson doesn't do his part of the bargain, and we know that he can't play around this golf course... They become world number one. Yep. That, to me, this is where I'm coming from, Paul. I mean, I'm often wrong, but in my mind, that kind of sideshow isn't good at a tournament where we've historically seen a lot of bigger prices getting the job done. It's it's an added pressure, isn't it? If you go back to the DP World Tour Championship where Justin Rose had his chance to catch and overtake um, Tommy Fleetwood... Yeah. And um, you'll you probably remember I'd back Rose that week. Yeah. He was in the in, in the middle of that run where he was just winning event yeah, after event. Yeah, he went win win in the HSBC and then he won in Turkey. Yeah, he, he won another one. At, at, I forget which one it was. It was uh, Singapore or something like that. It was, it was something out in the in in the east. And uh, he was playing some fantastic golf. And of course, um, I backed him that week. Um, and he had a fantastic chance coming up. We well, got to the lead, didn't he? Yeah. Coming down the back nine. Yeah, he did. Back yeah, nine. yeah. He was in the lead in the back nine, and uh, you know, it just it clammed up. It, you know, and again, is this a symptom of the you know the finish lines there? But also, there's this carrot dangling in front of you that's that's bigger than. Uh, you know, than winning the golf tournament, and that was for the DP World Tour Championship, not for the OWGR number one status. You, 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 at that point, you're you're going down in history as being one of the people that has made world number one in in world golf. Yeah, and, huge step. You know, yeah, it is a huge step. And as you say, um, Rose has got that chance this week. Um, Ram's got that chance again, and we've seen it, and we've seen it affect his game. And uh, you know, Thomas as well. 
But the, um, what you've got, you've got that clearly. You've got that going on, and you, the media. What they're going to do? They're just going to keep focusing all the time. You know, they'll keep asking questions about that all mm. the time to these guys. It's going to play on yeah. their minds. I don't care how good you are. That's going to play on your mind. But just look at these. Look at the prices that are on offer this week, Paul. And it just shows you what an open tournament this is, and what a loaded tournament this is. Yeah. Jason Day, sixteen to one. Best. These are best prices. Justin Thomas, sixteen to one. Rory McIlroy, sixteen to one. Jordan Spieth, sixteen to one. Dustin Johnson, eighteen to one. When was the last time we saw eighteen to one about Dustin yeah, Johnson? Yeah, fifth favourite. Ricky Fowler, twenty to one, and John Rambo Ram at twenty-five to one. Justin Rose, twenty-eight to one. I don't recall a betting market like this for quite a period of time. No, it's um, it is absolutely wide open, isn't it? And the bookies can't split them. And quite rightly, and as you, you know, you mentioned Day, you mentioned Fowler, and these guys are sitting just in the slipstream of those top five there. Now, if one of those, if they finish one two, yeah. those two, yeah, yeah. Um, when we go for the next, you know, next few events, and particularly as we approach the U.S. Open, which has got a hundred um, world ranking points, yeah, yeah. You know, think of the ramifications. Then you know you could potentially have seven players. You, um, you don't see this is a, this is a scenario that's going to go. It's going to be a feature throughout the year, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. There's so much quality and so many players playing well at the top end of the uh, of world golf right now. I hope so, it doesn't get as ridiculous as the tennis rankings, especially for the ladies, which they seem to have a new world number one every single week. Yeah, but it's becoming a lot more um, competitive. Let's say that. And when well, and, du- and yeah, and du- during major season where the you know these big events do pop up that really can make an impact I, I suspect you will find the you know change of the guard really quite regularly yeah. winners prices here and this is this is really interesting average price across the last eight renewals is 109 to one mm. past four years so since we went into this new FedEx cups you know um, the way that they play it in a split kind of fashion across two years that's jumped to 167 to one and you've got the likes of Siwoo Kim at 500 to 1. And we know from experience that plenty of people were on him at 500 to 1 last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Day won at 12 to 1. He was the reigning world number one and he was leading by a long way. He'd already won a couple of tournaments that year. Then you go back to the likes of Ricky Fowler, who hadn't won for three and a half years. He was 66 to 1 when he won this in 2015. Martin Keimer before he went crazy and won this and also won the US Open the month after, was 90-1. to one. Tiger Woods in 2013, coming off another hot streak, was 9-1 to one when he won this. And then you've got the likes of Kuchar at 55s and Choi at 45s. So that's sending some signals to me, which basically says if you're not comfortable with a particular player at the front end and, you know, with an open betting heat that we're seeing, it, you know, to actually nail down who that top man is going to be could be quite difficult. Maybe we should be looking further down the actual betting market because you know, when you look at the winners of this, you do get, of course, a classy player. Yep. But you don't get guys in general that have you know, been on a huge winning streak that particular year. You know, it's players of the like of a of a Ricky Fowler, um, a Martin Keimer, quality players that had a bit of a fallow period and can yeah. really focus on this and deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's a huge event, isn't it? But it's also not quite got the same. 
you know, some people, some players will approach a major and they're, you know, it almost overawes them the fact that it's a major and, you know, this this, this will mean that you're major, a major champion if you win this particular event. And, and this one, the Players' Championship, isn't of that status. Yet, as you described at the start, you've got the top 50 in the world there. It's a huge, huge event. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, I also I think, think it's something like this... And, you know, let, let's look. I mean, the last two years, the, the, the conditions here have been pretty naughty, haven't they? 2016, those greens that they had at that point were um, uh, abs- at the point of not being, you know, PGA Tour um, standard, and the yeah. organisers admitted that. So what they tended, what they did, um, the first two rounds in 2016, that course was soft and the greens were very soft. They just watered them to keep them under control. And then, yeah. if you remember, Saturday and Sunday, all of a sudden, it became like the U.S. Open. Oh, it was mad! Yeah, it was. It was like glass, wasn't it? And you've got the names yeah, of Kevin Chappell, a hundred to one. He finished behind Jason Day. Ken Duke was seven hundred and fifty to one. Colt Nost was three hundred to one. Matt Kuchar sixty sixes, and Justin, a young Justin Thomas, was a hundred to one. Mm. They were the uh, guys that made the each way places. And look, listen to this from last year. Siwoo Kim 500s, Ian Poulter 300s, Louis Oosthausen 100 to 1, Kyle Stanley was 200 to 1, as was Rafa Cabrero Bayo. Yeah, it doesn't particularly scream back the players at the top of the market, does it? But what, this is what we're, what we're kind of discussing, isn't it? Of course, elite golfers at the top of their game, it's the best field. But if they're being faced with a really tough golf course, that's playing firm and very, very difficult, a lot of them are probably checked out after nine holes once they're three over. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates opportunities for hungry guys below that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, these guys are all capable, aren't they? You know, there's... uh, You see that week in, week out, or, uh, you know, from month to month, where some of these players who are either out of or seemingly out of form um, find something and uh, can win and contend at mad prices. So... Yeah, Siwoo, 500 to 1. As you said last year, there were, there were a number of people who, who backed him yeah. and successfully backed him. And, you know, he had, he had uh, a few bits going for him. Um, he'd certainly had a decent season the year before. And uh, I think he'd finished 23rd, something like that, on, on debut here, hadn't he? So, yeah, yeah I think he was 11 after, 11th after 54 holes and he finished 23rd. But if yeah. you remember that 20. 16. He'd won his first PGA Tour event, hadn't he, at Sedgefield on mm. bent grass, uh, sorry, on Bermuda grass greens. Yeah. But he'd he'd constantly played well on Bermuda grass golf courses. Yeah. And he'd yeah, in yeah. the end he'd got to East Lake. He finished in the top ten there. He had a great season, hadn't he? And, and I think he was was he? I think he was a second year player. Yeah. 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 So. Yes, 2017, he was he was living a nightmare. Everything was going wrong. He was withdrawing, missing cuts. And then all of a sudden, something started to happen uh, at TPC San Antonio, where he was in the top 20 um, after 54 holes, and he was hitting plenty of greens. And people were alive to that. And when they looked at those opening prices, 500 to 1 was just way out of kilter. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the kind of 500 to 1 shots that we got this year, there's no way... Of the standard of Siwoo Kim was ago was twelve months ago. 
Yeah, he, sa- he says until we sit here on Monday next week and uh, two of them are sitting in the each way positions. One of them has won. <laughs> well, you've got the likes of Scott Brown. Wesley Bryan's interesting because we know that he was really good on Bermuda grass last year, Wesley Bryan. But mm. 500 to 1, I mean, he's he can't hit a green for love nor money. Blaine Barber, you know, Brian Gay. It, you know, it's not Siwoo Kim, is it, from from 12 months ago, who was clearly just, you know, he qualified for Eastlake in the Tour Championship the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these, as I say, some of these guys can find something, can't they? Yeah. I mean, you have got players down there of the like of like a Bryce Garnet, three hundred to one, and we know that Garnet's been playing some really good golf recently. Ted Potter Jr. He, yeah. uh, I think he was top twenty on his last appearance. He's four hundred to one. Ted Potter Jr. Yeah. Yeah, it's some interesting names. Is there anyone at the top of the market that takes your particular fancy? But I, know, I, I mean, you know, by default, I know that you're a you're a bigger price kind of guy. That, yeah, I've I've not backed anyone at the top. I must say, you know, if I if I was to look through the 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 player who was probably closest is um, Sergio, but you know. He's got a great record here, but I, I kind of default to Sergio um, at Sawgrass far too regularly, um, and um, I tend to get let down by him. So I've I've steered clear of it. I must say, as you said, there's there's so much at stake for some of these guys at the top. It's wide open, and history suggests that you don't necessarily get the winner from that side of the market. So yeah, I think I think there's a great case for just kind of looking and starting your search from kind of a third of the way down the field and go from there. Tiger Woods at 40 to 1? No, not for me. Not for me. I mean, it's, it's a golf course where he can actually use three wooden irons off the tee, so he's not going to be all over the place like he is as soon as he gets his driver out. Yeah. Hitting a lot of yeah. greens. But the way I look at Tiger, you know, from a guy that was, you know, clearly, um, you know, such a... A fantastic golfer. Even in his heyday, was it? He only ever won twice here. Yeah, it's not one of his most prolific tracks, is it? And mm. yeah, could yeah, at his best, yeah, absolutely. It's um, but he wouldn't be forty to one, would he? No, I mean, not seeing that. Are we would have no. finished last week fifty fifth, somewhere yeah. like that. It was it's very was similar, wasn't it? Fun. Quail. He'd only ever won there once out of yeah. seventy nine professional victories. Yeah, you take him to one of his tracks that he's prolific on, and you know he's not going to be sitting there at forty to one, regardless if he's finished fifty fifth a week before or not. No. The mark, the market in the book is nowhere the where the chance lies with him this week, and um, there'll be plenty of takers at forty to one. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, not for me. I think it's uh, need to look a little bit further down. Well, I tell you what, based upon you know kind of where winning prices have been, I I took everyone above just uh, from Justin Rose out. Of the equation from the bay. Yeah, yeah. The first player when I was scanning down uh, Alts Checker this morning that I really like the look of, who I think is playing fantastic golf and who I think will be motivated to do well this week is Henrik Stenson. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm on Henrik. We know that he's got a good record here. Um, first here in 2009. I think he was third here when he first arrived for his first ever tournament here. There's a fifth in recent years. I think it was 2013. I think he's got another four or five, another three or four supporting T20s. Mm. But the reason I love Stenson this week is you actually look at his run at the moment: eighth in Abu Dhabi, sixth in Dubai, fourth at Bay Hill, sixth in Houston, and a career best fifth at Augusta. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that, that Augusta performance was a bit of an eye opener, wasn't it? Because mm. he's, he's he's always struggled um, to to a certain degree there, and uh, yeah, if if that's a, an indication of what his underlying game's like, then um, you know you can expect a big season from him potentially. Here we know how much he likes Bermuda Bermuda grass greens. Um, you know, with the US Open coming up, which I think will suit him nicely as well. There's um you know, there's potential for a big season out of out of Henrik. If he can get some consistency going, um, you know, I, I've I've backed Henrik an awful lot over the over the years and um it tends to be when I back him he has one of those weeks where he's just absolutely anonymous. Um but then, you know, he can equally turn it round and, mm. uh, and and contend and Given that you're getting roughly twice the price um, of all of the market leaders that we discussed earlier on Henrik, and you know, I don't think he's any more or any less likely to win um, than uh, some of those guys at the top. This course, to me, shouts loudly from the rooftops: course management, mm. patience, and avoiding disaster. And if you, you know, if you look at all of those three factors, Henrik Stenson is patient. When he's, when he's on good form, he's patient, yeah. he's got fantastic course management. And this year, he's scrambling, he's top-notch. I think I found him in the top five for scrambling on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Now, an event where I think anyone approaching 70% of greens in regulation is going to be very close to the top of that particular category. You know, there's going to be what? There's going to be at least 18, 20 holes where you're not going to be finding the putting surface. And I think you've got to be a good scrambler this week to really keep yourself close to that lead. Yeah, you, you, your all-round game's got to be strong, hasn't it? And uh, as you say, Hemmings hits an awful lot of greens in regulation. Mm. When it, when, well, when he's playing well, when he's not playing so well, that's still his game. But uh, yeah, if you can combine that with a bit of uh, bogey avoidance through some decent scrambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kept the rust off the other week at that Mickey Mouse Teams event with uh, with um, Justin Rose, where I think they were eleventh after fifty four holes, so they were hardly struggling. Yeah, um, and he won the Wyndham Championship last year, which was the event that Si Woo Kim won the year before. Yeah, that's another another Bermuda Green track. Yeah, isn't it? there's a lot to like about Henry this week. So I'm in, and I I did like the price thirty three to one we've got with Betfred. They're a firm that are going seven places each way this week at a 50-odd. So I'm quite pleased with that. Two points each way, 33-1, to Henrik Stenson. Um, I've then gone further down the market for my other selections. Um, I can't avoid Bryson DeChambeau, who I said to you last week, there were two players that I'd already decided to go with way before this tournament. One was DeChambeau. And the other one was Zach Johnson, who's another pick of mine this week. I just yeah. think DeChambeau is playing some fantastic golf right now. Um, he seems to be able to play a whole variety of different golf courses. But if you look at his results this year, I think he's top five at Scottsdale. He was second, of course, at Bay Hill when he was the only player that really kept close to Rory McIlroy on that back nine. Uh, of course, Tiff Eagle, Bermuda Grass Greens, a, you know, a, a tough Florida golf course. Um, we know that he's finished in the top four twice at the Pete Dye designed Harbortown Golf Links. He should have won that last time, the one that Kadira won, because uh, he was fifty, he was thirty-six hole leader, wasn't he? And then he went, I think it was triple bogey at the op- the opening par five on the Saturday. Yeah, and he's disaster, yeah, it? but he still he got within one, I think, in the end of yep. of the victory. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. did something pretty similar last week, didn't he? I think he was three or four over after the first round at Quail Hollow. And then played some gold from the gods across round two and round three to get right in the mix. Yeah, I remember, you, you know, we'd been talking about Bryson before, hadn't we? And we were just looking for... Um, Looking for a spark from him last week, and uh, you know we sh- he showed that in in round two, and it was almost like, well, you know, keep a lid on that from there, please. Yeah, I wanted him to shoot seventy eight after that, but he didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, and naturally he kind of uh, hang, hangs around and uh, gets himself into a, a position that's you know raising uh, raising the awareness of the book. We did have some prices up though, didn't we? Kind of anti post prices late last mm. week for this, and he was sixty six to one with a couple of firms I saw. So to still yeah, be able to get him at fifty. Fives. He hasn't been completely slashed, has he? No, no, no. And I think that yeah, that's a testament to the strength of the field overall. But clearly, he's been nibbled away at, and uh, not not just from the bookies uh, cutting him. Clearly, there's a number of uh, punters coming in for him as well. So uh, yeah, he's, he's playing well, isn't he? It is his debut, isn't it? So yeah, um, you know, he's got he's got to um, he's got to adapt and get his head around the course. But you know, with with the style and the the type of guy he is, you'd imagine that he'll actually really appealed to him the uh, the challenge of uh, Sawgrass last four renewals we've seen Kevin Kisner Jordan Spieth Ben Martin and David Lingmuth finishing the top four on their tournament debut so it's not yeah. completely out of kilter that someone can get in the mix on a course debut however I will say only House Sutton in 83 and Craig Perks in 2002 have won here on course debut but you know trends trends do break down we know that um, well, and and you, you're getting if you if you get an each way place out of him, you're getting the equivalent of the uh, the, the win price from one of those five guys at the top of the market. Yeah, so absolutely, you know, what's what's the what's the better value? You know, it's, uh, I can I can see the logic there. Uh, Molinari's already popular, but he will be. He's got three top sixes on his last three apps here. I know that you are very keen on Patrick Cantley. I gave him a very close look. I think Cantley could be a real factor this week. The only yeah. thing that did put me off Cantley, why I didn't tip him up, was that his scrambling is not of the kind of quality you'd probably need to win around here. Just to make that kind of clear to listeners, if you know I look at this every tournament, I look at all the key stats from driving accuracy all the way to putting average. Mm. Um, and it really says everything about the golf course, that if you look at uh, driving distance, accuracy, greens and regulation, proximity to hole, Basically, any kind of player can win this. So they're all kind of averaging out around about 25th place. The only one that doesn't is scrambling. Scrambling is key each and every year. And across the last eight renewals, the average scrambling position in the field is seventh for the winner. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see your point. I I think I I, I backed Cantley earlier on today. And um, when we were watching this last year... um, he, well, he went into my book then, so I'd, I'd kind of got him earmarked for this um, anyway. For he, well, he was on uh, tournament debut, and he's right near the top of the leaderboard, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in the top seven um, at the end of uh, all of each of the first three rounds, and then he went and shot seventy-seven in the final round, which took him took him out of it. And he finished twenty-second, which kind of keeps it from you know if, if you're just glancing across the history stats, and it kind of keeps it off the radar yeah. to a degree, but. Um, he was second for total driving, second for ball striking that week, and again on debut on a course like that, you know he's clearly got the measure yeah. of it from tee to green from the from the get go. So, um, and you look in the twelve months that's gone by since he's won at the Shriners um, this year, he's fourth at Riviera, um, seventh at Heritage, which we were talking about earlier in terms of uh, links. He's had a couple of top tens there, hasn't he? 
Yeah, it has. Yeah, and um, he was again. He was second for total driving, first for ball striking at Heritage. So you know, it's clearly his long game is uh, is right on form at the moment. He's going to have to hit enough greens um, if he's not going to be able to scramble to the degree that you're you're talking about needing um, for him to really contend. But I can you know I can see him doing that. Um, there was one of those course links that you talked about with Pete Dye going back to the web.com days at yeah. Jacksonville. Top, top again, five of that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it was ticking an awful lot of boxes for me. Um, and, you know, I think he's the kind of person, he's the kind of player that if it's not going to be a top name that wins it, it's going to be someone who's, you know, that you know is well capable of, um, you know, of, of being that kind of... Uh, Top player further on down in his career, and uh, you know I, I can see that. I can't lay. He's a factor. I think I might add, add him to my Betfair uh, team, my uh, trade yeah, at sixty-sixes. Yeah. I think I think he's a good shout, Canley. He was the closest to my tips that I didn't put in. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather get, I'd rather him at sixty sixes than Billy Horshaw at sixty sixes, who I see is an absolute sea of blue on odds checker. Yeah, and Horshaw's been backed in uh, across the board, isn't he? So, he he's uh, not the kind for me that wins this. I, I really don't think that. No, no. I just don't think he's got the short game for it. No. And his history here is pretty 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 poor, Horshaw. I don't think I've seen even a top twenty out of him in twenty eighth. I say that 28, 13, 26, so maybe. And we know he, he stays hot, Horschel, doesn't he? Yeah. So maybe yeah. that isn't such a bad bet. Uh, the other three players I'm after, I've gone for Kevin Kisner at 66 to 1. I think if you're looking for a. You know, he's very similar to Cantley, actually. If you're looking for a player that can play die golf courses extremely well, including Harbour Town, including TPC Louisiana, um, he was second at the World. Match play this year, wasn't he? At um, yeah. uh, help me out, where was it in Austin Country Club? Yeah, that's another yeah, Pete yeah, Dye design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just loves Bermuda grass, he's a great scrambler. And if you look at his record last year, there was a lot of good performances in very high profile tournaments to a championship leader at the PGA Championship. He clearly got into the President's Cup team, he was second at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. No, these are big tournaments. You just get the feeling that if there's going to be uh, no, a player of the like of that kind of 55 to 66, 70 to 1 price, the likes of a Kisner or the likes of a Cantley are the kind of players that are really, for me, playing well enough and can get the job done. Yeah, no, again, he was he was one of my initial shortlist, Kisner, because as you say, there's, there's a lot of things pointing to uh, to the potential for a decent... He's hitting a lot of greens. We know that he was 54-hole mm. leader at the Zurich. He was right in the mix at the Har- at Harbour Town. He played half-decent Augusta. So I think he's playing well enough. I think in his own mind, he wants to definitely get into the Ryder Cup team because I know that he was a really popular member of the team last year. Mm. Um, he wants to qualify automatically. He's out of those spots at the moment. And the same goes for another one of the guys that I've gone for, Zach Johnson, who I think is a cracking bet at 80-1, to 1, 10 places yeah, each way with Paddy Powell. Yeah, yeah, huge. Again, you and I talked about Zach at the back end of last week before the pricing came up, and uh, we were kind of hypothesising as to where it would be, and you and I kind of settled on 66 as being a decent price for Zach. So 80-1, to 1, um, yeah, it's, it's got to be taken, I think. It's got to be taken. He's got good Pete Dye. 
um, results as you would expect. He was fifth last time out of the Valera Texas Open on when he's playing, uh, you know, individually. He was fifty-four hole leader there. Um, he said, and he's he's been talking about this a lot this year, isn't it? About process. It's all about process. He feels he's coming to the end of the road of that. And if you look at kind of the players that witness a two-time major champion that's had a bit of a fallow period. Um, he fits. A, he he ticks a hell of a lot of boxes. He's hitting greens for fun. I just I just think eighty to one is a big big price on Zach Johnson this week. No, I agree. I agree. And he's putting well as well, isn't he? You know, his last couple of starts um, yeah. outside of the team event, he's he's down in the low one point sixes. Yeah, the putter's warming. I tell you what else. Have you yeah. noticed this with him? He's he's added another sort of ten yards to his driving distance. He's regular now, like a 290, a 290, 292 bolt, no driver. Yeah, there was a time, wasn't it, where you'd kind of put him down at 284, that kind of number. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's, he's well ahead of that. And whilst you don't particularly need that from here, um, and as you said, as you get closer to the hole, it gets particularly tight here. So the guys aren't going to be taking driver and trying to you know, thread the eye of a needle to get in these tiny little uh, landing areas or two. But if it's going to be firm, you can actually see him being in a scenario where with plenty of roll on the fairways, he's, he could be, you know, going for a lot of these greens in two. Yeah. Oh. Which for a man of his ability, and he again is in the top 20, I think, this season for scrambling. As you said, the putter's starting to warm, and as we know with Zach, and he often fires like this, doesn't he? He needs a good performance, a top five, a top four, something like that, and then he goes and does something extraordinary the week after or the appearance after yeah for me Zach's the better of the week you know you know again you and I discussed him at the back end of last week and um, I you know I, I, he's, he's, he's got to be the uh, mm. got to be the bet for me are there any others of this kind of now we're in the triple digit kind of zone that you're interested in I know that my final tip is Adam Hadwin who yeah he was yeah, as early yeah. as he was as big as 125 first show but he has already been backed in. You won't. Uh, you can get one ten at the moment with Bet three six five. Everyone else now is the biggest you'll get on Hadwin is a hundred to one. But I like yeah. him this week. Not a lot of wind in the forecast. Very very tranquil. So it's going to play firm and fast, but it's tranquil. Hadwin is a poor wind player. You can see that in the stats that we add to the variable. He isn't comfortable yeah. in the wind. So for him to have finished in the top thirty, top thirty five, the last two outings here in, in, on a, a windy tournament. Shows that I think he's going to like it when it's calmed down and he's actually going to be able to play the golf he likes to play. Um, yeah. He's got a decent record at that PGA West TPC Stadium course. And he's just been playing that niggly good golf that winners here tend to play. Top eights, top nines at the big tournaments. Played yeah, very really consistent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he was 11th after 54 holes last week at Quail Hollow. I think he was... Yeah, he shot 65 or something. Yeah, yeah. Rounds, I mean, so. as soon as that sprung up, he was straight on my notepad. Mm. Um, but you know, as well as I do, Augusta, Quail Hollow, that isn't Adam Hadwin territory. But right. a sub-7,200 yard par 72 in tranquil conditions, where we know he's a great scrambler, he's a ferocious putter when he's on form. But at the moment, he's topping, he's second in my role in 10-week greens and regulation stat. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he, he seems to be the full package to me. There's a lot pointing towards him. And again, you know, you, you and I, and it's usually dangerous when this happens because it all goes horribly wrong, but you and I have converged on a few of the same names this week. And, uh, yeah, Hadwin was one of the ones that I... I thought I he'd win the RBC well. Heritage and then he withdrew the day before. Mm. 
No reason. Yeah. Supposedly, was some. I don't know. The only thing I found out about that there was some personal issues going on, family-wise. So, yeah. reading to the what, but supposedly, you know, there's nothing physically wrong with him. The fact no. that he was sprung out of the box at a course that really isn't him at Quail Hollow last week, and he's got these. He's very much got these Pete Dye links. And you look at his record. I think he was fifth last year at the WGC Bridgestone Invitation, eighth at the WGC Mexico Championship. So that just shows you he's get he's he's getting comfortable at the biggest tournaments now. Uh, yeah. His best ever major finish last uh, two times ago at the Masters. You just you know this this to me I think could be a big stepping stone for Hadwin. Yeah, no, I like I like him. This and week. he was another one that's done well at that Dyes Valley course next door. Yeah. And I don't, you know, some some courses, is, as you said, he's not going to be able to contend in because he's just simply not long enough off the tee. But uh, it's not going to be the case this week. I think it's, the whole setup is going to be an equaliser on that that perspective, and uh, he's playing well. What bombs are you into? Um, the two that caught my eye. I was on I was on Kevin Stroman last week, and um, he really, he really did bomb out, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll give him give him another chance. Um, One hundred and fifty to one. He was second here back in yeah. twenty thirteen, and before he missed the cut last week, he'd finished seventh and eighth in his previous two starts. Yeah. So, you know, he's playing well enough, and he's very positive from a Pete Dye perspective. Um, you know, it's a lot of good yeah. tangible form on yeah. Dye courses. Stroman's a good, 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 good yeah. course for the horse, yeah. I'll, I'll give I'll give him another chance, um, and uh, if he bombs out again this week, then he's off my Christmas card list. So he'll he'll win Colonial, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Um, and the other one's uh, Rory Sabatini, and I'll probably look at first round. I'm not convinced he's going to be able to hang about for um, the full four rounds, but Sabatini for a first round leader, I expect, will be the play for me. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, he's finished uh, sixth here on his last start, which was a couple of years ago, twenty fifth or three years ago, twenty fifteen. Um, but yeah, he's, he's opened, he's started fast recently, 64 at the Heritage for um, the first round lead there. And you know, he's, he's playing some sneaky good golf, Sabatini. So. He, he shot a really good round last week at Quail, didn't he? Got into kind of semi-contention. Yeah, he wasn't a million miles away. But uh, as I said, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like an outright bet to me. It just feels like you know, there's, a, there's a good round in there for him. And um if it happens to be the first round, then uh, then we get a payout. So uh, I think that's the way I'll play. I just I want to see the tee times and pairings and stuff first before I take a final plunge on that. But um, we'll be pulling all the data and stats together for that tomorrow when the tee times are out. So that'll be the point at which I pull the trigger on Saba. I think there could be potentially something in Martin Laird as well because we know Laird. Laird's very similar to Strillman. You know they've got that kind of. Uh, Barclays, that northern, that first tournament they play around the Big Apple. There always seems to be a good link between that and here. Yeah, yeah. And Laird has been playing some sneakily good golf. But you just look at Martin Laird and you, you think, well, 125 to 1 isn't, it's a good price, but do you see him winning it? Yeah. Uh, you probably don't, do you? But I think as an each way punt, I think Laird, there's something in Laird this week. You, That's the point. It, yeah, it's, it's such a strong field. It's. To try and build a case for someone that you think actually you knows he's likely to 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 out punch his um, price, but is there still some scope for for profit there? What about uh, Duffbag, Paul? Because I know we discussed him last week. Yeah, he's, he's playing some decent enough golf as well, isn't he? Um, Doesn't seem to do well here, he, and he cannot scramble at this golf tool, uh, this course for Toffee. Yeah. Yeah, but he's he's got the right kind of um, kind of stoical approach to the game that I think 
you'd need to have around Sawgrass um, to. Yeah. To, yeah I, I don't think you can overly attack it. I think you've got to be patient. You've got to, you know, you've got to play your game. And he has been playing some good golf. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to see him in the uh, in the mix. I must say. No, I agree with that. It's just when I looked at him, he's, he's literally, I don't think he was ever in the top 40 for scrambling, and that kind of puts you off, you know, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, he is the sort that a major winner, great US Open history, you look at any kind of correlating course, he's done well on them. Yeah, um, He won a big tournament last year, didn't he, at the Memorial. Second a few weeks ago with Pat Perez. Yeah. If there was something scrambling-wise that I, I could have latched onto, I think I'd have... Tried to have squeezed him in this week, but I didn't. Mm. But yeah, I think he's the kind of sort as well. What kind of score do you think wins it this week, Steve? Well, I think it's tranquil, but I think it's firm and fast. So for me, about 13. Yeah, so in, that, in, in the same kind of ballpark as their, as, their kind of t- target score. For as quail, yeah. But not quite as tough as last week, and not last week, last year, rather. So I don't think so. A few, a few down from there. I think 13 to 14 under, but I genuinely think that you're going to see, you know, when you look at the PGA Tour stats and you're seeing, you know, um, strokes gained around the green, I think that is going to be absolutely vital this week. Yeah. yeah no, and yet, though, last year, Siwoo Kim, I'm just reading it out, around the green, third strokes gained uh, around the green. Uh, Ian Poulter in second. He was second for strokes gained around the green. Yeah, you know, it's that kind of test for me. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Well, let's talk Rocco Forte Open before we go. Yeah, we'll go through it quickly. As I say, the, the market's still being formed at the moment, so um, there's uh, there's not going to be anything solid for myself this evening. It will be um, kind of around about noon BST tomorrow. Um, but in terms of the track, we're going back to Vidura Golf Club, which is uh, in Sicily. Um, it's a coastal track uh, designed by Carl Phillips, who you'll recall is designer of Kings Barnes, which is part of the um, the Dunhill Links each week. Yeah. What they've done here is they've um, they've amalgamated two courses. There's, there's two 18 hole courses there, the east and the west courses, and they're using nine holes from each of the courses to create a uh, composite course, a par 71. Uh, 7,217 yards is what it is touted to be this week. I remember from um, last year, it was particularly gnarly, this track, wasn't it? Yeah, it can be. It's it's an interesting one um, because it's it's coastal, it's um, undulating fairways, deep bunkers, decent greens, decent um, decent bent, guard, bent grass greens. When there's no wind, it's far too easy for these pros. Yeah. They were going around there... There were a couple of rounds of 61. People flirting with 59s last year. Um, four rounds of 62 were recorded last year. Um, so some of these guys are going out and shooting 10 under after the first round, and you're thinking, well, this is just a birdie fest. Um, yet the winning score was 14 under. So they really didn't progress massively from those... Um, yeah. It was blowing a hooli, though, wasn't it, across the weekend? Yeah, and, the, and this is the point. Yeah, this is the point. If, if, if and when it becomes windy there, and it regularly does... Yeah. Um, it makes it a proper coastal test. So much is going to hinge on the weather forecast this week. And it's similar. Um, you know, I, I looked at my notes that I'd uh, written up for last year's preview, and it, almost word for word, it's the same description. Now, we're going to be looking at kind of uh, early mornings where it's pretty tranquil, five miles an hour. By the time it gets to the afternoon, it's going to be blowing consistently 15 to 20. And, of course, you're going to have gusts on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
every afternoon it's going to get trickier and trickier and trickier. So the scores are going to be made in the mornings. So your first round leader, um, if it doesn't come from the first uh, morning wave on Thursday, then someone has played incredibly well in the afternoon. Yet, someone who scores well on the first day has then got to face the um, afternoon conditions on the Thursday. So you, you find it all kind of concertinas around. Someone who's going out in the final group um, on Saturday is going to face the worst of conditions. So someone coming through makes the cut on the number or there or thereabouts is, uh, has got a chance to make up the field. Okay. So um, it's, you know, you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of chopping and changing over the course of the uh, course of the four days. It, it's going to lend itself very nicely to a lot of in-play action, I must say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, we're talking about pre-event bets here. So trying to narrow it all down. If you look at the last uh, last year, we had uh, Kiros who, who won the tournament, and we kind of all know about his game. He's long. Um, he's came into the event last year in particularly poor form. Um, save for around a 65 on his last start in Portugal in the final round. So he, he, you may recall he kind of missed, I don't know, maybe eight or ten cuts out of 11 or 12. It was, you know, it was kind of miscut after miscut after miscut. Yeah, he went to Portugal the week before, signed off with around a 65, which is eight under par, and then um, kind of hit the ground running here, 63-64 in the first two rounds, took a five-shot lead into the final day. But as we were just describing... It's tough in the afternoons. He was four under through six in the final day. He looked to be cruising to uh, to victory. Yeah, and he, he fell and apart, didn't he? But still managed to get yeah, over the line. I remember it. I watched it. Yeah, it was it was a good yeah. it was a good it was good good viewing. Yeah, he got himself to twenty under par. Um, and bear in mind the winning score was fourteen. So he got to twenty under par, and then just a hemorrhage shot after shot. Yeah, got into a playoff in the end was uh, Xander Lombard, who um, equally he, last couple of you know, last few holes he, he made some bogeys and uh, dropped back to fourteen under. Uh, whereas at the same time you had Hao Tong Lu made albatross and one of the par fives mm. on the back nine, kind of coming through the field. So you know it was it was a massive excitement. Um, but yeah, it ended up with a Kiros and uh, Lombard uh, playoff, and uh, Kiros won the second hole with a par. So for so, you, it's a, something as sparky as a, a fantastic final round in the last couple of tournaments. Can quite be, you know, it's it's that bit of form that you've seen that is, you know, it's something out of, out of the ordinary or something that suggests there's, you know, there's, there's scope there for someone to, uh, you know, to to be able to pull it round and, and put that one decent round together having been you know within touching distance on the final day on the Sunday and get, get the job done it could well be someone who's way off the pace on Sunday who gets uh, gets over the line what was consistent with all the and you know going back to the vagaries of the European tour there were no stats captured for um, for the winner Alvaro Kiros you know this is Kiros who's, nice. who's won a number of uh, European tour events yet he had no stats captured for him last year <laughs> but we can we can infer what he would have been one of the longest hitters he tends to hit a lot of greens when he's playing well um, the next five in the finishing positions who filled the each way spots, they all finished very, very strongly in terms of their putting performance. Uh, but there was a mix of different styles. There were some longer hitters there. There was also um, Marcus uh, Fraser there, who's one of the shortest hitters um, on the uh, you know on, on the European tour. So um, for me, I'd I, I kind of err towards the longer hitters, given you had the likes of Pep Angles on there and Hao uh, Tong Lee who can put it out there, and um, Lombard's a longer hitter as well, Kiros as well as we talked about. But um, but clearly, some of the shorter guys can get over the line. Um, 
Yeah, kind of boiling it down. We only got this last year to go on. If you go back to 2012 when uh, Chorborn Elson won the Sicilian Open, it was held on a slightly different format um, of composite course, but on this estate. So some of the holes were used for that event back then, but it wasn't the same setup by any stretch. Um, and again, you saw a similar kind of pattern where there was a mix of longer and shorter hitters, but there was generally some decent, uh, decent putting performances. And we know with Olsen, when he plays well, he just he can putt lights out, can't he? So. I so know who you're going to mention here. I'm <laughs> staring at him. We haven't discussed this. Go, give me the name. I reckon, knowing you, and knowing that you got a very nice winner on this gentleman last year, <laughs> I reckon you're going for Lucas Biergaard. Yeah, Lucas is in. Because he finished like a train in China, didn't he? He did, 66-64, mm. tied for sixth. Now, he'd missed a number of cuts before that, and um, he had his uh, his first child back in the uh, start of December. But he's powerful, so, isn't he? Big hitter. Yep, yep, loves bent grass green. Streaky he's the, putter. Mm. Yeah, he's when when he's playing well and he tends to perform best on bent grass. You look when he won at Portugal, he produced a putting performance of around about one point six, one point six one, something like that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Um, you know, for him, that's that's way out of kilter with his average. That's, you know, that's a good point two mm. better than his uh, his running average on the on the greens. But he can putt these bent grass greens. Um, as you say, nice and powerful. Um, he's got the nappy factor that's associated with you know the, the fact that he's had his, his child back a few months ago. And he's found that bit of form. He's found that little spark. He's found that Kiros spark that I was talking about a second ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for him to still be hovering, I mean, let's say the markets aren't fully up, but I'm expecting to get 66 with it. I know. Shocking, isn't it? Mm. And yeah, tied for six on his last start. So And last year, ninth at the European Masters, one in Portugal, eighth in, in, in uh, the British Masters. He's one of those that does just hold form together a couple of weeks, doesn't he? He does. And um, going back to Kiros, Kiros won at Portugal. Yeah. Luke, Lucas won at Portugal. I when he, when nice he won that Portugal there. Masters, he was quite impressive in the closing of it, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, he he played with Olsen again last week in the uh, Golf Sixes, which they'd previously won prior to that. So he had a little bit of kind of uh, winning form, even though it wasn't a regular stroke play event. Um, him and him and Olsen won the Golf Sixes last year. They came and defended last week and uh, and got knocked out at the first stage. Um, you know, I, I, there's no credence in that one way. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no credence in it one way or the other for me. But he had had that little bit of experience of actually lifting a trophy prior to his uh, yeah. his contending performance and eventual win in Portugal. And I think, it, in some shape or form, that will have helped him out. But yeah, he didn't look under pressure at all. And um, when it when it got you know push came to shove, and uh, he converted converted very well. So yeah, I Berghard's in uh, absolutely there's 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 no way he's not forming part of that. Particularly at the price. There's there's a number of players who sit further up that market that um I wouldn't give any anywhere near the chance to that uh, Berghard's. You know you scan through odds. I was surprised to see him that big. I was really yeah. surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, there's, there's a number of players that I've got shortlisted and um as I say once the market's fully formed I'll I'll give it a bit more thought but yeah, if if Andy Sullivan wasn't quite so short at the top of the market, it'd be a, a, a good um, a good option. But he's sitting there at the favor as favourite at the moment, around about twelve to one. There's another one who's won in Portugal, um, which is you know whether there's this real tie there or whether I'm reading too much into it. Um, we shall see. Um, 
back back into your Bjorn Olsen at sixteen to one is criminal. That should be that should be a prison offence. Yeah, this doesn't doesn't really appeal to no. me. I must say. And the other one who's um, going in regardless is Nino Batassio, the Ita- the Italian guy. Um, is around about eighty to one at the moment. Again, you may get slightly more than that. Hundreds to mm. one would be a cracking uh, cracking price. But yeah, look at listen to some of his um, results from last year. Fourteenth at Wentworth, tenth at Leones. Twelfth uh, at Portugal, and he was leading after thirty-six holes. Fifteenth mm. at the Dunhill Links, tenth Italian Open, eighth at Valderrama. He's finished fifth at the Maybank this year so far, where he was the thirty-six hole leader. Thirty-second um, th- uh, at China Open on his last start, but he was uh, second after the first round with an opening sixty-five. It's a long way. Now you look at his course form um, or event form says miscut, miscut, miscut. The first one was on a completely different course. Second one was a different composite to this. Third one last year was this track. Open was 74. Um, shot 64 in the second round. A seven under par, bogey free round. Missed the cut on the number. <laughs> Classic. Now, yeah, yeah, now his stats look miscut, miscut, miscut. Mm. You know, he's, he's just being written off here. And, um, you know, if I'm getting 100 to 1, which yeah. you know, I'm, I'm holding out for, wow, I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, Batasio's in um, and Beauregard's in. There's a few other guys that I'll um, I'll give a, give a, some thoughts to over the course of this evening. And, uh, as I say, I'll uh, uh, get it all together. You'll, you'll be arming and ahhing on your old mate Matthew Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Southgate for now has got to. Uh, he's got to show a little bit for me to be back on board. But I, I, he's one of those players that I think you know has has a win in him. Absolutely, it's. Um, I, I don't know. You, you can put too much faith in these guys sometimes, and uh, they start to get expensive when they uh, they let you down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, time after time, Justin Walters is another one that I'll give some thought to. And the South African is um, another one who's done well uh, in Portugal over the years further back. Mm. And he's playing some, uh, some snippets of decent uh, golf as well. Has he been playing down on the Sunshine Tour? Yeah, he's not He's not been playing um, on the European Tour so much. And he's, he's, his starts always are limited. They tend to be limited to the uh, the co-sanctioned South African tra- uh, events. But he does pop, it, pop up for these... Uh, you know, some of these smaller events every now and again, and bear in mind this is only a million euro um, European tour event, so it is one of the, the tiny ones on the tour. So we are kind of further down the list for some of the players that are managing to get a start this week. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give uh, Walters a little bit more of uh, a look as well. But yes, there's a, there's a few more that I'll uh, I'll ponder over the evening. Should be an Anyone interesting. Your yeah, it should be an interesting tournament. Hmm. I like those ones where you know the elements are against the players, and you get you get these movements up and down the board. You know, I think it's, it can be very interesting viewing. Yeah, it's potentially a good trading event as well if you can mm. you can see the consistent pattern happening day after day. So, uh, yeah, you, your players who might have put what looks like a, an average round together on the Thursday, but went out late in the afternoon um, and could potentially pull it all back on the Friday morning, and get themselves into a position for a decent. Uh, decent price well worth a look I think. well thanks for your time Paul enjoy the golf let's hope for some better luck with some of our selections this week mm. and uh, it should be it should be good viewing this week yeah can't wait thank you for listening and we'll see you again for the podcast next week thanks guys bye bye cheers bye